0: UI Live. I'm Thomas Frank Carr, Sean Fitzney Bauer with me today. We're talking about Penn State football. Um, maybe not future as much, although we might get to that in a little bit uh, on the mailbag. But we're talking past, present, and future Nittany Lions. It's a big week for uh, not football, athletic testing coming up for the Nittany Lions at the NFL Combine. Ten of them trying to secure their future spot in the NFL draft. And Penn State Max Testing Day uh, on the way for us to go view later this week. Um, but spring football with max testing week here is just around the corner, literally days away at this point. So we are previewing the Penn state offense. We're power ranking all five positions ahead of spring football. And I know, uh, the panel is super excited to give their thoughts on that today. Fitz, how are you doing this morning?
1: Oh, we love a good power ranking around here. So it might be, might be a weekly thing we start doing. It's just power ranking stuff, power, power ranking. Nate, you can power rank and you can power rank the food at the BJC. I know Chicken finger baskets are high on your list. We can do anything. Like the the, the
0: possibilities are endless. Come on.
2: What? It's not right.
0: I mean, we, we had a good series going on Fridays, uh, our Friday one. five. Um, so we might bring that back, just do it on Tuesdays. The Tuesday five doesn't have the same ring to it, but you know, we can uh we can always make that work. And of course, it's Tuesday, so the mailbag coming up at the end of the show. If you got questions, throw them in the chat and we'll get to those at the end of the show. Uh Nate. What's going on with you this week? What are you thinking about in terms of Penn State football before spring break hits next week?
2: You know, I th- I think I made this joke before, but I'm going to make it again. This is this is my annual pilgrimage into a weight room where I try to figure out what four on e- four plates on each side plus the collar what what the weight is on the bar as Penn State's actual athletes. Uh, conduct what I assume is uh, is healthy for them to uh, to lift all those weights. Are you are you counting the the locking collar as a weight? Isn't that five pounds? No. 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 Yeah. No. Those. Oh, are is, all all these country. years,
0: you just need the forty fives plus yeah. the bar plus the whatever else is on the bar. Yeah. So uh, the I'm bar is usually for... forty five pounds.
2: Okay. Sure. <laughs> just call Dave. I, I deal in I deal in grams,
0: sir. <laughs> okay. All right, very much. So, we we're off to a hot start on <laughs> max testing week. So, and on the show today, by the way. So, hopefully everyone is here that wants to be here. Um, you know, we got a message on the streaming platform to start the morning that there was an issue uh getting the show on YouTube. So, hopefully you can see us. I know there's people here. We have people in the chat. There's people watching us live. Uh so if you uh if you saw the tweet With this special link, send it to your friends that you know, like and watch the show. Uh, But we also got off to a hot start for, uh, you know, getting interesting looks into Penn State football. Tony Rojas posted this this morning. This speaking of. um, uh, Let me mute the audio there. Uh, Speaking of talking about max testing, here he is doing his power clean. And guys, I just want to get your reaction to I think this is 350 on the bar is what he says. So, uh, Nate, I'll say, I know you're an expert on these things. So I'll give you the first crack at Tony Rojas doing his power clean.
2: Looks great. Great form. Look at that. I mean, it looked like he almost toppled over there, but, uh, sure. No, he's getting, look, he's, he's doing all the stuff, right? Like Mm -hmm. this is the, this is the progression is you got a first year and that's kind of a baptism by fire, but obviously had so many traits that translated immediately to on-field production but then when you compare that and marry that with an off-season like a full throated off-season of work in this arena uh yeah that's where that's where the
0: dividends come Fitz, you got any thoughts for us? Yeah,
1: Tony is the guy that's drawing some buzz this winter. Um, just uh, I'm very I'm fascinated to see what the plan is for him because they've they've talked about Sam, but also in that Tom Allen defense that they're shifting to that four two five. You know, the Sam is eh, I don't want to say a bit player, but like it's either three safeties, three linebackers, and um, the third linebacker usually gets cut. So I'm very curious to see how they deploy him and if that just means he's going to be moved to Will with uh, with Abdul. Moving over and and you know, going back to the Abdul thing, that was that was something that's been in the works. So I think Nate mentioned that uh, right after the bowl game. Um, so like it's not a situation where that was just sprung on him and now they're all of a sudden they're scrambling. This is this is all a plan. It's just a matter of hey, they like to keep some things under in-house. And uh, but I'm fascinated to see what Rojas can do. Um, this is a guy that they think has tremendous potential. Um, he showed some really good things uh in sort of uh, cleanup time last year no pun intended um but uh he's uh he's got some potential excited to see what he can do
0: yeah i think it's gonna be fascinating to watch and i put up saquon barkley here just so you can see a comparison of the last time we saw it's not the same so this is 40 i think this is 405 for saquon barkley but as far as the uh the the performance here it's the same uh it's the same drill that uh saquon barkley went viral for however many years ago uh so I texted my wife, who is a personal trainer, and she's got her strength coaching thing. And she's a professional; she's the expert on this. And she said, "That's pretty bleeping good." So Tony Rojas gets a seal of approval from the official uh, seal of approval giver. I love watching what he does there in terms of how it relates to the field. Because if you notice, his butt is basically on the ground. The depth is ridiculous. There, just absolutely. Like I popped another hernia watching it. It's just.
1: <laughs> on twitter last week so i apologize for reusing old material that's what i do um but no his depth is incredible which means his flexibility is incredible which you know does translate mobility what they're looking forward to
0: yeah yeah that's that's one of the things like i always love real world examples of like things that i say that are just kind of like uh word salad to some people uh in, in a scouting profile it's like when we talk about hip mobility and the ability to have range and depth and getting that low allows you to get into an athletic position and explode in multiple directions. So like as much as it's cool to just watch him, the real world application of him being able to do that is tangible. So I, I, I super impressed, not surprised by Tony Rojas necessarily. Um, is there anything or anyone you guys are looking forward to this week? Uh, we're going to speak with Chuck Losey fits. What are you interested in learning about from Penn state from the winter workout period uh, that we get a chance to talk to Chuck Losi annually at the end of?
1: Yeah, Penn State's got to rebuild on its offen- on its hands on the offensive line. I think that that is the most uh, important thing that we can look to, and we're going to talk about that with power rankings. But guys like Javen Williams, a, a new guy like Nolan Rucci, uh, Anthony Donka, th- those guys at tackle, they're going to have to be ready to play football, but you're going to see some strides. I, I think it's, it's interesting to watch or to listen to what they've said about Nolan Rucci since he got here in terms of – Maybe a little bit undertrained at Wisconsin. At least that's the kind of the vibes that I'm getting. The sort of the undertones there. And uh, you know, since he got here, he's put on some weight. He seems to be a little bit more flexible, a little bit more mobile, if you will. Um, so I'm curious to see what he looks like in spring practice. And maybe this is a situation where you break him out of that mold. And maybe, it, maybe it finally happens for him. I, I, I don't know. that I don't put the pads on yet. There's only, there's only so much we can speculate about. But a guy like Nolan Rucci, who can still, if he can still make strides a couple of years into the program, a lot of these guys they get into the program. They start in this ridiculous program that they are they think they're ready for, but they're not. And then all of a sudden, these gains come very quickly. And then you sort of level off as you get over time just because of your natural athletic ability, your natural strength and all that kind of stuff just kind of, uh, I don't want to say plateaus, but like you, you, there's only so far that you can go and still play football. But these gains right off the top of transfers of uh, freshmen, is it's really, that's that's the stuff that we watch.
0: Yeah, it's it's going to be interesting to hear what he has to say, uh, from that perspective. Nate, is there something else you're interested in? Uh, wh- what uh we're going to learn this week?
2: Yeah, I think I mean typically we get pretty good insight and updates into all the new guys, right? Uh, the transfers, one right, Julian Fleming. How's how's he look? How's he doing? Kimber Harris. Um, but then you got the the true freshman too, right? What's the What's the baptism for those guys? How are those guys, uh, you know, kind of holding up between winter workouts, which have their own lore, uh, right? I mean, it, it becomes its own thing, right? yeah. <laughs> when, it, when it when it has that type of a reputation, uh, how, you know, and and then the, like Fit said, those immediate gains, what do those look like, and and how are they uh, how are they acclimating?
0: Uh, we uh, are going to get a chance to learn all of those things. I'm interested in uh, watching more of these, you know, the squats aren't necessarily as informative about performance. It's it's more strength based, but it's always fun to watch a lot of plates go up and down. I I love just the general vibe of being around a lot of testosterone. Like the, the, it is a good time if you're into uh, lifting and lifting culture to go in and check all that stuff out. Uh, the reason I was distracted is because I was preparing to talk to you about something that I'm super excited about. And that is Fitz. I know you've got sons. I, were you into card collection as, as a kid, huge
1: into card collection as a kid. And now, um, I've gotten back into like on Instagram, it's one of my algorithm things. So it's like, uh, that it's golf, it's, uh, dogs basically. Um, but like the card opening, I love it. It's just, and, and. I mean, I'm not the one buying it, so it's it's a little bit different. But my kids are now into. I mean, my I've got ten and seven year olds. My world kind of revolves around Pokemon, so Pokemon cards, uh, sports cards. My my youngest is into baseball. So yes, big card collector. I've got a ton at home that my mom's been trying to pawn off on me for years. Um, I'm trying to keep that there as long as possible. I hope she's not listening. Um, but uh, very very interested. I was very interested in in card collecting. Yes.
0: So that's a great that that's a great segue because if you do. If you want to keep them or maybe you want to sell them, there is now a place to do that in State College where there was not before. Nittany Cards Plus in State College, Center County's only dedicated sports trading card and collectible shop. You can check it out here. You can see it here on the Blue White Illustrated YouTube channel located at 1631 South Aveton Street next to the PNC across from the CVS. It's in State College. Uh, It's a huge selection of cards. Uh, graded slabs, sealed hobby boxes, licensed brands from Tops, Bowman, Panini, Upper Deck, and more. It's a full-on card shop, and they obviously feature and specialize uh, the Bowman uh, College Series, where you can get Penn State football players. They have some official signed cards. They have some rookie cards. They have NFL cards. Uh, oh, and if you, by the way, speaking of NFL, if you like the Steelers or the Eagles, which if you live in State College, there's a 50-50 chance you do, they also have a dedicated area that is just Eagles memorabilia Eagles cards. You can see here on the screen and uh, Pittsburgh uh, in one of their display cases. So you can get literally all of this stuff from baseball to football to hockey. They got MMA, all the official cards that you can get. Check them out at Nittany cards. Plus search them on Facebook or Instagram. And uh, you can check them out at 1631 South Atherton Street and State College. Give them a call, 814-954-7488. Owned by a guy who's been a part of the uh, State College community for a super long time, and Jason Dombach, somebody who I can personally vouch for as an individual, as a good person, and somebody who is going to take care of you if you check out Nittany Cards Plus. So we're super excited to have them here on the show. We're going to be there live for uh, Blue White Week. We're going to be there on Friday. We still have a TBD on that, so make sure you check back here for more information about us hanging out at Nitney Cards Plus during Blue White Week. So super excited about that. Let's get into today's topic, and that is we are power ranking the Penn State offense going into spring football. These guys are going to give you their five through one, starting with number five. Number five. Nate, you put yours in the chat, so we're going to start with you because I know where to go. Who are you putting at number five? Yeah the receivers can't be anything other
2: than last place until they do something. Right. I, I don't know. I, these always make me very self-conscious because I, what if, what if it's obviously something else? I don't know. When fit said a major rebuild on the offensive line, it gave me panic for a moment because I have them higher than five uh, on my list. So I don't, I don't know. I clearly there is an internal belief that there is something to work with there collectively right uh there are there are players in the program that have shown at least in practice right last year and otherwise that they can do it it's just a matter of does it translate to the game and can you stay healthy that that is to me the the crux of what that position has dealt with for really for the past year uh y- y- you know it, does a Malik McLean right as that buffer year? Does it? Does he turn into somebody who can who can do things more consistently? Caden Saunders obviously has been a storyline for years, right? Omari Evans, uh, y- you name it. I mean, it, it just Keandre, all of those guys plus now Julian Fleming. How do they sort themselves out? Who provides that consistency? and who makes plays right who who does the the uh, the game breaking right the splash play right? it just it, it has been a lacking element uh i think in terms of that consistency for penn state and something that you you just you have to have it you have if if you don't it, it just it really inhibits what your potential is as, as an offense
0: Fitz, um are you going somewhere different for number 5
2: No. I mean,
1: why would I go anywhere different? We haven't seen the wide receivers do what the wide receivers need to do for this team to get where it needs to be. And until then we just put them, slot them in number five. I mean, I I agree with everything Nate said um, as energetically as he said it. Um, But uh, it's uh, a, it's a tough situation because you think that there's talent there. They believe there's talent in like the younger ranks as well. Like we've talked about that 2022 class, which, which really hasn't done anything to date. Um, You know, Omari's gotten in the field, Caden's gotten in the field, but, they think there's talent in there. It's just a matter of of, of milking it, getting the right uh, getting the right uh, combinations out there. And and so far we haven't seen it. And that's uh, it's tough to put them anywhere other than five right now. We know Keandre is talented, like raw talent, like they, they, there haven't been many like him. But it's it, it's not just talent; it's everything else. So. Putting in the putting them in there with Julian Fleming, who has been, you know, he's gotten good feedback so far as a leader. He's gotten good feedback as a guy that, you know, sets the example, set it on the on the site last week. Not not the freak athlete, but like a guy that can be productive. And, and if it's a guy that uh can help everybody else out along the way, that's that's a win for Penn State. It's just a matter yeah. of everybody's gotta get on the uh I don't wanna say the same page, but everyone's gotta get uh gotta get where they need to be in terms of matching their talent to their production. I thought Malik McClain was an interesting point that you brought up because when he was brought on board last year, he was the guy that was going to take a year before he could potentially be what they thought that he could be. Mm-hmm. Comes out, and catches the touchdown in what is the first game? It was West Virginia yep. game. He had a touchdown. Yep.
0: Game breaker essentially in the fourth quarter.
1: Yep. Kind of put himself, I don't want to say put himself behind the eight ball, but like kind of adjusted expectations on his own there. And then all of a sudden fell back into the original expectations. And that never goes well. Um, so curious to see where he fits in um, with everything. I, I think truly. Fresh slate, like you got to you got to wipe that board clean and you may have had you may have starters returning. But at the same time, I mean, the the way that they finish the year, nobody should be guaranteed a job.
0: Do you feel and this is something I've been going back and forth on uh, all offseason is the the balance and the floor of this particular group, I think, is interesting where. 2022 they weren't dynamic they did not have explosive plays from the receiver position consistently so still still a, a problem in the offense at that point but parker washington and mitchell tinsley were consistent players that would get you third down conversions and the offense found some explosiveness late in the year through the tight end so they, they at least found an avenue for the passing attack to balance the running attack does fleming provide you enough of a floor as it, maybe I don't want to say just as the one man that can do that, but the combination of him and potentially Trey Wallace, if he's healthy and Keandre Lambert Smith, is that a better mix than what they had last season where they were relying on a lot of those transfers and guys that we talked about that hadn't either been at Penn State very long or hadn't proven anything uh, through their career? Do you think that's a fair way to look at it or is it still too unproven? I think it's still too unproven. Like it's it's
1: tough to say because you say the 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 safe floor and you're gonna lump uh Liam Clifford in there, you're gonna lump some of those other guys in there, but it's it's you gotta find those guys because they mean something to your offense. Like first downs mean something to your offense, and and so far it's unproven. Trey Wallace, like I mean, we just keep hearing these great things and we've seen him in practice, he's there and, and does some really great things. Can't stay on the game field, like, and that's yeah tough because it's been injury after injury and you know I know the the, the last one was kind of a repeat of the, the 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 one that kept him out for a while last year but like until he does that what do you say like hey he's got potential potential is not scoring you points and that's the that's the issue here
0: okay so let's go on to our next position in the uh in the breakdown Nate coming back to you what is your next position uh, coming in at number 4 oh wait and hold I- on number 4 On my own toes there now, please.
2: All right, I'm 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 pulling the pin and I'm I'm jumping on the grenade here.
0: Do it, quarterback. Okay, so uh, lay out your reasons why he's coming in. He but the uh, the the quarterback position coming in fourth. Well, uh,
2: yeah, I mean, how about this? It, not just him, right? The, the quarterback position because it's comprehensive. It is figuring out who you want to be. And and being that right, it, uh, very clearly they are invested in Bo Prabula being part of the conversation, right? And and you saw that in the second half of last season. What what is the plan there, right? So that that starts at the top, uh, and then you, you know you have a guy in Drew Aller who what like it's so easy to just focus on the negative, and so I, I don't want to do that he, he did a lot of very good things. He was, he protected the football. This whole idea of like a game manager is so poo pooed and dismissed as not important. It is important. It's extremely important that that is a way to win. However, he, again, I use this word pair or or marry. Like he has to be able to marry that or both of you, whatever, however you trot them out there someone has to be able to make plays. And Penn State didn't have that offensively too often last season. I mean, I, I I pulled the stat at one point, and if I get this wrong, I apologize, but it was something like 10.3 points per game is what they averaged in non-garbage time in their three losses. Yeah. I, that just doesn't get it done. And and the reality is Drew Aller and his completion percentage and 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 i i'm i always get hyper focused on this because i truly believe it uh as, as, a, as a fundamental concept that quarterbacks take way too much blame uh in terms of how things play out right you, like mm-hmm. that position specifically is reliant on everything around them to click and be executing its job at the exact same time right your offensive line, your running backs picking up blitzes, your yeah. receivers catching passes. But the thing that stands out to me specifically about Ohio State and Michigan is it didn't feel like that. Uh It didn't feel like those breakdowns elsewhere were more of an inhibitor to his success than he was. Right. It, it was. hmm. was his own, it was his own performance against uh, admittedly acknowledged fantastic defenses, good defenses, but it's just, this is, this is the time where I think if everybody's being honest with themselves, you're like, Hey, you got nine months, you got nine months to, to take all of that data, all of those experiences and translate them and propel you into the guy that everyone thinks or thought you could be right. And, and yeah. again, thought you could be, doesn't mean, Oh, you're, you're nothing. You stink. No, it's not that it's, can you reach these heights that really haven't been uh, at the position, right. In a, a while, <laughs> obviously, right. I mean, uh, like Tr- Trace McSorley, Christian Hackenberg, Uh, obviously Sean Clifford, like those were guys who did many things and did many things well. And trace obviously had a bunch of success. So did Sean, but is there another level? Is there, is there a next step? And I I think that everyone who watches Penn State football would say, yeah, there there is another guy out there who can do things that are special, that are over the top, uh, in terms of passing. And you just haven't seen that quite yet with Drew Aller and now's the time for him to to, to take those strides if he's going to take those strides.
0: So because we have dueling top fives here, I'm going to go with Fitz and we're going to give his number four because it's different, and then we'll continue the conversation. So he's got the offensive line at number four, but of course that means in the in the reality world, his quarterback conversation is coming in at number three. So Fitz, let's just continue the conversation. Then we'll get to the offensive line because you guys have that this order flipped. I guess what what's what's your view on Drew Aller potential and Drew Aller what we've seen so far?
1: Yeah I I mean 10 out of 10 no notes on what Nate had to say like it's it's all there like he, yeah you did great buddy. You just, oh stop. You're fantastic and did it with a smile too. Uh, no I mean it, it, it's the it's the same kind of argument we we're having at the end of the year like when does the potential get tapped and how does it uh, how does it come out and I mean I think it's there. I think it's I don't we I don't want to say we have the sample size to say that he can do it on the consistent basis, but like he can make the plays. Yeah. Um, it's just about filling in the gaps there. And I think that that's what the mental side of things is going to that that's going to be the difference right there. I have him at 3, so it's not like I have him far off and I've flip-flopped the offensive line. I'm sure Nate has the offensive line at 3. So it's it's not I think they're comparable in terms of, hey, these are challenges that they're going to have to overcome. Yes, they have the potential to do so, and they have the room. I I think that's why I have them ranked higher as the room from top to bottom. I think it's pretty good. Like, I Mm -hmm. think in terms of the health that we've seen of this room from in the last, even the last, what, four years, three years, 2021. I mean, this room kind of just, uh, you know, does whatever it does all over that, so I, I, I think they th- it is strong, um, and because of that, they have options. They're gonna want to get Bo Perdue into the game. Um,
0: is that? Let me ask you about that because James Franklin talked th- th- this time and during the summer last year is crafting an offense that both players could use, uh, and that's not to say it's a two quarterback system. That was not the case last year. Then there was the drumbeat of we want to get Bo involved. It didn't present itself outside of garbage time last year, just to nutshell everything that happened last year. And then Bo Previel more involved once the uh, decision-making process stopped with Mike Yersich and it went to Jaywan one Sider and Ty Howell. So crafting an offense that isn't hyper-specific just for Drew Aller, do you think that's wise, you know, to get the most out of him, to give him the most opportunity for success? Is it like, is this offense half pregnant when you're doing something like that?
1: Yes. Also um, the, the argument in the chat that says we need more bunch roots. And then the response is we had too many bunch sets. Like that, that's kind of where we're, that's kind of where we're at right here. Um, I, I, I just think, uh, you know, to, you, you simplify it, not for the one guy, like, but you simplify it for, and I think that that's what Andy Konecki, when you take a look at his reputation, you take a look at what he does. Yes. There's a lot of, there's a lot going on in terms of motion in terms of uh, formations and different things like that. But like, I don't want to, call it complicated like if the, t frank does that make sense to you like they they do a lot of things but they also don't do overly amount uh, an overly amount of cool nicky's offense yeah it,
0: yeah 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 so the idea is to do uh, you can think of it as um, a lot of sets but fewer plays so kind of a core offense that you throw a bunch of I don't want to say garbage, but you know, the, the subterfuge flight of hand, yeah. of hand. It, the, the, it's the vanilla ice cream. And then the toppings in his blizzard conversation and the toppings is formations, shifts, motions, Orbit motions, all that stuff, but the plays are similar and repeatable from different positions.
1: Right. So that's that is how you, for, for lack of a better, oversimplified is a an oversimplified term. Like here, like we you got to make it so his reads are, you know, it, it, it's college football. You're not going to make three reads, and he's done an okay job of that at times. But like when he gets into it, when he gets be, I don't want to say gets behind, but when you get a little bit under it and you see the pressure that uh, you know that they've had, that is when he sort of you know. I don't want to say loses it, but loses it at times. So, and and I don't know if it's a, I don't know if it's a fix, like fix is probably the wrong word here, but like, you've got a, you've got a lot of work to do putting in a new offense and also getting him on the same page and also uh, committing to him. Like, like they're not going to change the starter. Like that's kind of what we're all like agreeing without saying is they're not going to change to Bo for unless there's an injury or something like that. And you know, I think you can you can make the argument that, that it's going to come together, and it's it, and its potential like the potential is there. I always said the same yeah. thing with wide receivers, the potential is there for it to come together.
0: One of the things I've noticed, I think, and people have asked the differences between Andy Kodal, and uh, Mike Yersich, and some of the, some of the things that I think I identified this offseason doing the film studies is, uh, f- Mike Yersich's drop back passing game, pure progression game, was really the core of the offense. And a lot of his options were for screen passes. The RPOs were mostly screens and I'm overgeneralizing here, but in Kolonicki's offense, the first reads might be a little bit easier. He might have more RPOs, more throws to get the quarterback in rhythm as James Franklin talked about. So there might be more production from non-drop back, you have to read the defense, like Fitz said, like going one, two, three through the progression to find the open receiver based on the coverages and the shifts and things like that. So there might be more, okay, if the safety moves, I throw the football. If he doesn't, I give the ball. And that is a cleaner, you know, he talked about same teaching a lot of st- in a lot of these online tutorials you might see floating around of trying to simplify the game from that where you don't have to read two or three keys. You're reading one thing and you're making one decision. Um, we'll come back to this in a little bit because there's another question about the offense and some of the things with the explosiveness of the offense. So let's get onto the, the, the offensive line conversation and why you have this flip. So I'll throw this up here again. Um, so Nate, you have the offensive line at three bits. You have the offensive line at four. So let's begin the debate that will be amicable. I imagine, um, Nate, why do you have the offensive line higher? How dare you Fitz? I'm appalled. Uh,
2: I think that I think that there's, and and this is probably partially me projecting a little bit here, but you're making assumptions of progress based on like reputation. Uh, t- for me, that that's mm-hmm. how I'm looking at this. It, it, I think Caden Wallace is a bigger loss than people realize. I mean, maybe maybe people do realize. But it's it's the difference between uh, Olu was like, yeah, he's gone. You you know that he's gone. He's not coming back to Penn State. Caden, I think that at least in my mind, it was kind of a, "Eh, maybe like maybe there's a chance he comes back, Uh, and he didn't. Right, Sal Wormley is a huge win. I think. Uh, in terms of providing that uh, veteran presence. Nick Dawkins, I think, is underrated, is an under-talked-about aspect of this in terms of that position and what his performance, if he can rise to that level, what it could mean for them. Um, but then then you look around and it's like, okay, uh, J.B. Nelson, Drew Shelton, Vega, Donka, like Javen, are they, are they that good? Right? right? Like there, there's, there's little, we, we've had little snacks, right? Of, mm-hmm. Okay. Hey, there's, wow. Okay. Uh, Drew and what he did. And, and I, I'm certainly speaking for myself. My perception of Drew Shelton is based on coming in at the end of his freshman year and not getting waxed, right? Not getting his clock cleaned. And some of that was being able to hide some of his deficiencies. Uh, He came into Penn state with a reputation and uh, to the positive side of like, Hey, this is a guy who takes this very seriously. He will not be denied. I think that you're seeing some of that from Danka now in terms of of his vibe. Uh, But where's javen right like what where is he in in his path and his trajectory can he compete uh nolan Rucci, right like same deal uh, i should have included him when i talked uh, about that group in the first place is
0: mm-hmm.
2: uh, people hate the basketball crossover but i'm going to make it here anyway when you when you start collecting pieces from the transfer portal because it didn't work out at the last place even though there was Loft, there were lofty expectations to begin their careers, right? This is a highly ranked recruited guy. Well, what is it, <laughs> right? Like what's the, what created that chasm between actual production and expectation? And is the fresh start somewhere else? Does that give you the opportunity to to unlock your, your true potential? And certainly I think that there's a buzz for, for Ruchi this off season. Um, but it's it to me, Phil Outline has a lot of pieces that if you're if you're cooking, they're, they're fresh ingredients. You like them. You, you, yeah. like, you like what you're looking at. It's just a matter of can he concoct and figure out how to put all of them together and get like maximize yeah. what you yeah. have, maximize the potential there.
0: Can I augment your uh, analogy there and say, are the ingredients too green? have they fully ripened yet and can you like can you ensure that when the meal comes together that all of the pieces are at the the stage in their development they need to be fits i imagine that's part of the is it is it just the unknown or is it that part that has them lower on your list
1: well when you lose your best player that hurts um and and to me hey guards are great you need guards but uh your three most important spots left tackle center right tackle yep. you're replacing them all like Let's not come out and act like this is a like a reloading situation here. Like they've got talent. They've got talent to work in there. But like it's going to take some time and it's going to take some time for those guys to get used to actual playing football reps. Drew Shelton is a guy that we thought would eventually step in fairly seamlessly. What we've seen in the field has not added up to that. And that's uh, that's a concern there at left tackle. Um, Javin, I mean, I, I don't think the expectation of playing as a freshman, I mean, I, that, that was kind of, if you, if you saw Javen, if you saw him pass block, you know, like you knew that he was not <laughs> going to be a guy that factored in last year. And if you did let
0: me know, because I saw it maybe twice.
1: <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, it, 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 it's not a situation. I mean, this is a situation where this offseason is very important for him, which means yeah. he's probably not quite there yet to, uh, to go there. Um, we're going to, we're going to, it's very much, we'll see with Rucci, and then dunk on the other side good for a freshman to good there's mm-hmm. a difference there and i'm excited i think he can be good like that's that's the thing i think he can be very good um is he good right off the right off the uh the jump that's tough that's so tough to to, to have to figure out so yeah. i just think there's plenty of question marks there you've got nick dawkins in the middle tremendous leader um somebody wanted to say that um you know he hopes he scrugs. I hope everybody scrugs, man. Like I, that is one of the classically underappreciated guys yeah. um, w- over the program in the last decade. He was freaking fantastic, and uh, you know, I hope uh, I hope Nick Dawkins is is Norzad. Like that's uh, that's kind of where you got to go with that because Juice is is was was so good. So I, I don't know if he's going to be that guy. He's got Cooper Cousins there to compete with. He's got a couple of other young guys there. Venga is going to be very important in here. Um, you've got. Yeah depth and experience on the interior. You've got J.B. Nelson who can be a swing guy. So the pieces I think are there. And I think they're talented. I think they've got some, some talent to work with, but it takes a little bit more as a unit to functionally put that together. That's why I ranked him behind quarterback is because, you know, the one guy at quarterback can make that. He, he can elevate that whole thing. Yep. Whereas you've got to be a complete unit. And I think Phil Troutline is a good coach. I think that uh, they've got a lot to work with. And I also think, and I'm going to keep going back to this. We don't know what we're looking at when we go to, when it goes to offensive line. So, an average offensive line is a good offensive line. So I think if they can be average, that, that can go a long way. And then this group has potential, maybe not to rise to like one or two in this, in this group, but are in the, in this power rankings that we're doing. Yeah. But they've, they've certainly got potential. I don't think they're setting up, setting themselves up to be a liability. We've, we've seen bad offensive yeah. lines at Penn State. I don't you, think you, they're in that realm.
0: You, you know there is the talent there you understanding that there could be things that don't work out and there are problem spots but they have the talent and the depth that they have a couple of different options maybe not all great options right now but they do have the talent that eventually some of these things should work out Fitz you beat me to the question um are they the group that of these bottom three because I think the top two are pretty locked in and obvious and we'll get to those in a second but of the bottom three which one is the most likely to elevate um to challenge the top two or move a spot from five, four, or three.
1: Oh, you're not going to like it. but I'm going to go quarterback. Like I, I think that. I mean, if you think about it, okay, you can new coordinator. You can talk yourself into by the end of the season, quarterback could be one. Yeah. Is it going to happen? Probably not. But like you can talk yourself into that uh, with the with the p- potential that you've seen. Now the the thing that you're going to have to keep going back to is the receivers control so much of that. Like we we've seen situations where there have been good throws and there have not been catches. We've seen, you know, quite the opposite as well. Um, But the receiver to quarterback connection needs to be better. It needs to be more productive. And those guys need to step up to help everybody else out. And, you know, it's like, uh, you know, if you used to watch coach use the old, uh, the the new epi- newer episodes of Coach when he was with the Orlando Breakers I'm sure you guys remember this very well they were going into a draft they had the number one pick they had nobody
0: you never watched Coach no come on sorry sorry all right well, I don't consume a lot. You've never watched guts Sports either TV. have you T Frank no yeah no oh
2: what?
1: I mean never mind I'm not gonna say that um, <laughs> but you know they're they're looking for a number one draft pick and you're talking about taking the quarterback it was actually the Keyshawn Johnson year and he was like I'm not gonna play for you guys but okay, get the quarterback to throw the ball to the receiver. Well, we don't have the receiver. Um, okay, get the running back to run through the or get the offensive tackle to open up the holes. We don't have a running back to run through the hole. You know, it's not that bad, but like everybody plays off of everybody here. And yeah. this is what I'm trying to talk about is like the receivers being what they were last year had a negative influence on the running game. It had a negative influence on the tight ends. It had a negative influence obviously on the quarterback. So like, you can't let one of these things go and hope that another one picks it up, especially with a with with the most important position on the field.
0: Came out in nineteen eighty nine. I came out in nineteen ninety. So sorry. Good show, man. <laughs> like it,
1: had a, it had a great run. I mean,
0: no, I, I've I've definitely heard of it. So that's that. that sure, obviously, that sure is on great. me. You should watch it. Um, Nate, your thoughts on the same question? Which one of these positions, in your mind, has the most upward mobility?
2: Uh, a uh, quarterback. I agree. Okay, and uh, to be honest with you, uh, I think that the running backs can help them him more this year.
0: Like I think you mean in terms a... of just generally the production and explosive plays and taking less third and longs. Like let's just I... simplify. It. You think that they can give them less third and longs? No. I oh, think
2: okay. that they can be more involved in the passing game and create bigger plays okay. more consistently. And I think you saw that with Nick at the end of the year, a little bit. And I think that they are, and when I say, I think I'm kidding. I know they're leaning into that. Like they, mm-hmm. that those guys talked about it, uh, at that freshman second year availability that we had, like. No, they're trying. They're trying to get the get the running backs to understand the weapons that they can be collectively in the passing game. Mm-hmm. And I think if they can, if Penn State can execute that, uh, right? Singleton's Singleton's jump from, first of all, I'm very high on Nick Singleton. But second of all, <laughs> uh, his jump in the passing game from year one to year two was was notable. Like I thought it was big and can be bigger. So, yeah, that's where I'm
0: at. So, let's rip that Band-Aid off. Let's get to number two. Number two. And it is not running back. It is tight end. So, Tyler Warren coming back, a depth of talent behind him. Uh, So, Fitz, how do you see this working out behind Tyler Warren, or what makes you think that these young guys, if we're taking him for granted, that these young guys can elevate to a place that keeps them essentially where they were in the breakdown or at least pretty much where they were last year in terms of power ranking, uh, the position groups.
1: I'm going to break this one down. So Nate can understand it. The tight ends here, they're, they're your crock pot and you've got different ingredients, but you throw it all in there, you let it cook. And by the end of the day, it is going to be good. Like it's probably going to be good. Your chili is fantastic, by the way. Um, now uh, it's going to change. Obviously, with Theo out of there, it changes your dynamic in terms of what do you, you know the, the weapons that you have going down the, the, over the middle. As we wanted to, you know, I'll say it. we wanted to see more from Theo. We wanted to see more usage of Theo. Like, yeah. I don't think all of it was on him. That, that you know the lack of quote unquote lack of production was on him. But that's neither here nor there. Doesn't matter. Shouldn't be talking about this in February in twenty twenty four. Tyler Warren has talent. Uh, Khalil Dinkins has talent. Andrew Rappelier has a ton of talent, and he can block. So. Does it? Does this room drop off all that much? I'm not sure that it does. And on top of that, we're going to see what Andy Kotelnicki has uh, involved for them. I know he's uh, he's an O line tight end guy, so like he can see he can see what he's got in front of him. And uh, Tyler Warren came back for a reason; it's to be utilized, and I think he's going to be utilized as such.
0: Uh, Nate, pretty. I think it's pretty cut and dried here, pretty quick in these top two. What, what do you got for tight end?
2: Yeah, I just I think that this is actual like in from a broader perspective, I think that this is a reputational ranking for both fits and I, uh, at least it, it, I am giving them the benefit of the doubt that they're just going to continue to be good. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that there were areas that you highlighted last year, T Frank, where they weren't as good as their reputation was, uh, that need to be better this yeah. year. And so that's going to be a fascinating dynamic to find out if those guys, can do what Penn state needs them to do, because here's the deal. And you know, this uh, Franklin's not abandoning uh, that role of a tight end. He's not turning his tight ends into Mike Kosicki's like, he's not, he's not going to, there's a, there's
0: a reason it's Andy Koldanicki you know, there's many reasons, but one of the reasons is he was successful using two tight ends at Kansas to generate explosive plays in the passing game and in the running game. So there's there's a when we talk about James Franklin saying keeping things in the offense, it's not that he's keeping plays and it's like, well, Mike did this, so we're going to do this. It's are common core themes here between the two offenses that are similar. And therefore, they're keeping those concepts because they worked and they have the talent to make them work.
2: Yeah. Khalil Dinkins is is the example to me of, of like a like I don't know, right? But I know he got to Penn State as a receiver. He was a receiver yeah. and became a tight end and had to go through some of those growing pains. And right now, I don't have any idea where he is on that scale, on that spectrum of being the complete tight end, right? Can right. can he run block? Can he pass block? Can he do those different things? that they need out of that position beyond just catching the football. So I'm, I'm intrigued as uh, as much as anybody to see how those guys live up to what they're already being given the benefit of the doubt for.
0: Let's get to number one. Number one. Not a surprise, but it is coming at number one. And I would say maybe there's a certain percentage of disappointment that running back is number one because of the general lack of production last year that we have talked about uh, quite a bit here on the show, bluewhiteillustrated.com, some of the things in the film room. I think it's fair to say that there are certain aspects that are on the running backs. There are certain aspects that were on the situation. So Fitz, running back number one, um, what what are you expecting from spring in terms of not just them being the best on the offense, but them being difference makers.
1: Well, the spring, I would hope that they, you know, take a step back and let those younger younger guys get in there because they've, I mean, two years of full experience was which we've seen from these two these two uh, running backs that are, you know, now the veterans. So we were just talking about them as kids a couple of weeks ago, it feels like. But uh, you know, it it you know take a step back in the spring. Now going back into what they can bring to the offense, I think we have we got a pretty good idea, and I'm excited to see. Um, maybe the, the the flexibility that Andy Kotelnicki has shown with backs, like getting both of those guys in the game at the same time. I think going back to our last conversation about tight end, I think twelve personnel, the percentage of twelve personnel snaps goes down, but it doesn't yeah. necessarily mean you know you're going three wide all the time. But you can work a couple backs in there. And we say it, uh, you know, I, I, I don't want to say we say it every year. We get asked it every year, how much of this is going to work with two backs because you think you have two backs that can compliment each other pretty well and also be productive. But I think that this is probably finally the year that you can actually look at some, uh, some actual evidence of what he's called in the past and say that, yeah, I think they're going to use a couple of backs at a time. So I think that's the exciting part. It's, it's also a reputation play. Like we saw these Mm -hmm. guys as freshmen, they didn't make that leap as sophomores. I thought there was some, some good things that they showed, especially at the end of the season. And that's kind of where you're hanging your hat on this one. But, uh, I feel pretty confident these guys are talented. Like I feel pretty confident these guys can can be good. Uh, we're going to see what the offensive line provides for them. We're going to see what the passing game provides for them. But I think, you know, in terms of sheer talent, you look at these guys and they're still, they're still the players that we I think we thought they were.
0: Nate, close us out. About three minutes here left on the clock. Uh, running backs, number one, your thoughts on this group taking a step forward in 2024? Only I three minutes that, to talk about Nick. I think that... <laughs>
2: I think that I wanted
0: to I wanted to give him that timeline because we still got a we got still got like two or three mailbag questions.
2: Fitz is underselling the progress that they made last year. Everybody is. They were they. I truly when James Franklin because he was asked at the end of the year in November and he made this long speech really about the ways that Nick Singleton and I think Katron, I think both of those guys were who he was talking about, uh, were improved over the running backs that they were as true freshmen. And it's like, it's just this difference between what's sexy and right in front of your face. And you saw it as true freshmen that they made these plays and right. Great. That's spectacular. A dose of that was desperately needed last year that Penn state didn't get admitted, but the areas that they matured and became better overall players that are take a more discerning eye that I don't even have. I can acknowledge that. But
0: also, Nate, they were you, there. You actually can't necessarily see those things because where they got better, you need to be watching from the end zone to see like how everything breaks down. When we have the narrative about these guys aren't whatever, you're looking at it from a two-dimensional picture and you don't see gaps opening and closing, where they're supposed to go, all those things. So I think you, you make an absolutely great point that the subtle improvements were hard to see if you don't like you don't have the trained eye to see those things
1: the The problem there is the progress didn't align with the production and that's yep. what that's what you're taking home if you're a fan as you're watching you know the, the guy runs that you know you know those runs where guys get tackled and then they slam their, their arm into the turf because they're mad that they you know just missed by that much and that much means the difference between breaking a run sometimes so yep, yep. i think that that's that's the thing that people are taking away is the production just wasn't Wasn't there, but I agree with you. There was, there was progress to be found.
2: My, my argument is that some of their four yard runs were excellent. Mm -hmm. Like that to to me, that is, that is the missing ingredient here. And so if you can, as a program, get drew and get the receivers and get the offensive line to, 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 take their strides it opens the doors for these guys who i I, again at by the end of the season i don't think that there's any argument that they weren't making big plays they were right Singleton make them made them against michigan state he made them in the bowl game yeah Uh, if you can unlock those doors and and uh, like to me the uh, the underlying the foundational sentiment that i uh, carries my perception on this is that they're dogs like they work like crazy those dudes are like lunatics in how they work they are they are absolutely committed to the game they do all those things right uh it's why i honestly have more optimism for drew aller than uh otherwise is that if you're committed if you put in that work if you do those things there is a payoff at some point it might not come when you expect it but it will come eventually uh mm-hmm those guys who live the game and who breathe it and do all that extra work do all the extra stuff that that are committed to it uh it's it's usually going to happen and i think in a lot of cases
0: it's going to happen this year i have some thoughts on this but it's going to actually dovetail perfectly into the bwi mailbag Just a quick mailbag today. We're starting with Lamgo. He had this a uh, little bit of a longer question Jeez. packed with detail, but I'm going to nutshell it. At Kansas, explosive offense number three in the nation in passing explosive plays over the last two seasons. I've talked about how they create some of that stuff. He says, however, wouldn't you agree that with the current personnel, Penn State should expect more explosive plays from the running backs than the wide receivers? Colton Nicky seems to be a mess, a mastermind of heavy personnel, pre stamp formations, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. This is where I think, to Nate's point, the ecosystem for Nick Singleton to break big plays was not there last year, because I want to push back one thing you said, Nate. The offensive line did their job more times than they had in the past. They had some perfectly blocked run plays, but Nick needed to break a tackle. The problem was, in the situation last year, The safeties were so aggressive against Penn State. The free defender, instead of being 10 yards down the field, meeting you at six or seven, was meeting them at the line of scrimmage. Kodelnicki's offense from these particular situations of either manipulating the defense to break some of their rules and get guys out of position through gap exchange, you know, improper gap exchange, or uh, just creating a situation where the offense is more explosive in the passing game gives Singleton more free running lanes where he is best in a, you know, train tracks, explosive down the field, outrun a guy for a big play, as opposed to having to run him over that safety. Maybe you get eight yards instead of 37, which is really the biggest difference between 22 and 23. So I think from Lamgles, that, that question, I, I do think that that's a thing. The one caveat I'll, I'll have, and I want to turn it over to you Fitz, is that a lot of what we saw last year, especially with the two back sets, was so steeped in triple option that I don't want to say that's coming to Penn state because how are you running that with drew Aller who has to be a legitimate run threat. If you're going to have a triple option of a speed back to the outside, a dive, and then the quarterback has to keep the ball. If he's unwilling to keep the ball, then the other option doesn't matter. So that's one area (laughs) that I would say, I, I don't know as far as those those particular explosive plays.
1: Yeah, how much is your quarterback opening up for your running backs? So I agree with that 100%. Um, but uh, the other thing here is explosive plays. Does that mean throwing the ball down the field and catching it? Does that mean turning short gains into explosive plays for the wide receivers? That's the question that I have. Yeah, because we haven't seen it from those guys like that is a, a situation. You know, Keandre's had some very nice catches over the middle that he has sprung for touchdowns for big gains and things like that. But the overall lack of yak, if you will, um, on this team was was is a bit concerning. So yeah. I'm, I'm anxious to see if they can change that.
0: Nate, do you have a response to all that that you want to throw out there for the running backs?
1: No. OK, you want to say yak, lack of yak because it's very fun. That yeah, was it's... fun to
0: hear. Can you say it one more time? lack of yak it's great love it Thank all right you. uh fits this question for you um this is talking about the recent change for for the early signing period moving into december doug 21 uh doug 2 1988 says i know you guys talked about rule changes you like to see but i don't remember what were your thoughts on the early signing period moving up seems like it would be a benefit fitz what do you think about the the change in the early signing period? Something that I believe we'll get into more with Ryan on Thursday, but I want to get your thoughts here.
1: Take the calendar, blow it up. That's great. Um, <laughs> so yes, the the I think the proposal right now and the uh, the SEC is kind of pushing this one is to move it to the Wednesday after the season is over of Championships Week. I think that's great. Um, I think that given what's there or given what's there right now is these coaches go out on the road in December. Um, you know, they just got done coaching the entire season. Nobody feels bad for the coach. I'm not trying to, 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 you know, embrace sympathy here for the coaches. That's a lot, man. Like that's a, that, that's a lot on your plate and it doesn't really move the needle as much as it probably used to do when you're doing these in-home visits and things like that. So I have no problem with them moving it to December. To be honest with you, from a Penn State perspective, the more that you can move things up, the better. Because of the way the Penn State recruits, we're talking about July. Like, we're talking about mm-hmm. a potential signing day at the end of the uh, the summer. And that's great, because you think about the kids that Penn State recruits, the the guys that they get on board early, who want to get this over before they're um, before their senior seasons what was it last year it was just jalen harvey basically at that point um it was still uncommitted this would be fantastic for for penn state um to to move that to july and of course there's going to be language where if coach leaves you can get out of it and and things of that nature um and to be honest with you there's not much that changes like guys can sign in december and leave in january there's nothing stopping them here so it's like it this is kind of all for naught, if you will but from a traditional signing perspective, yes, I think that that the, the further you can move it up really helps Penn State. Doesn't help everybody because not everybody recruits that way. And you know, it's gonna change the way that people can uh you know approach the calendar, especially down south, is uh, hey, th- these guys wanna take official visits during the season, whereas you're you're gonna push that further into the summer. So yeah, take the calendar, blow it up, make it earlier, and it helps Penn State.
0: And I think that another added benefit, we saw Penn State do a lot of work in the transfer portal window in the late part this year because they were focusing on getting their class all together. Uh, not to say that they weren't trying to do it during that window as well, but it separates them so that you're not doing two things at once as much. So I think that's another part of that, but also the college football playoff going on during that period. So things had to change anyway. Just fascinating mess and nate i want to bring you a much simpler question poncho five somebody says name a player on offense offensive defense you think is going to be a surprise this spring season do you have a guy i'll just give you the or offense or defense do you have a guy in mind that you're interested to learn more about that you think has the potential to do what poncho asks here
2: hmm uh hmm i i i like jameel lyons honestly i do uh he's he immediately comes to mind um you know uh, i mean honestly anybody at receiver right trey wallace okay trey wallace is healthy <laughs> and stays healthy then yeah he'll surprise everyone we need to um,
0: we need a bell or something whenever somebody mentions receiver you know because yeah. we can't drink so we need some something there
2: <laughs> so no i think i look i think that there's i think that there uh, donka is an option there I, i'm not sure that offensive linemen really register as surprises in people's minds because it's it's harder to discern that it's harder to see that but um yeah well look it it is uh it is hope springs eternal in the spring so there there will be many players i'm certain who are uh how how would i put this like totally transformed right that's going <laughs> to there, there will be totally shape of his life
0: totally just, different person
2: Totally different person over four months. And we don't uh, do that one anymore. Anyway, we don't do What's that?
1: <laughs> the best shape of their life. We, that, they better, no. it, it goes without saying, they better be in the best shape of their life. This is, yeah. this is college football. It's really hard. Um,
0: yeah. Anthony Donka, my- uh,
1: yeah. Donka, um, I'm very excited to see that battle at right tackle, Donka and, and Rucci. I think Andrew Rappelier has the potential to sort of weasel himself in there because he can block. He brings a toughness, an element of toughness to that position that they needed. Um, Beyond that, I uh, would love to see a receiver. I don't know that I'm going to single one out right now, but love to see a receiver. Defensively, Zaki Wheatley, I think, is going to be a, a key part of this defense. Penn yeah. State's going to run a lot of three safety looks, and he has done some really good, nice things this offseason. They're excited to see him. And then uh, those two new corners, uh, Kimber and A.J. Harris, How? what do they bring to the table? Very excited to see that. I mean, hey, that level of defense is up here. And, you know, the expectations are are what they are. We kind of take that defense for granted at this point, but uh, there's some holes to fill and some really good players to fill it. Uh, the offense is is the same thing that we've talked about all off season.
0: Yeah, I, I think that's a a great place to leave it. So uh, those are your BWI mailbag questions. Thanks to everybody who's a part of the show today. Thank you to Sean. Fitz and Nate Bauer for giving us excellent insight and their power rankings make sure you subscribe tomorrow we are talking about the NFL combine and we're going to be previewing the players there what they need to prove not a whole lot for some of them and of course more on the BWI live show I'm Thomas Frank Carr we'll talk to you then